All right, once again, everybody, thank you so much for coming out on this Sunday afternoon. Uh, my name is Andrew. I'm the writer-director of this uh, film. And I'm Danny Molina. I play the role of Carlos. Hi, I'm Kenneth Young. I was DP. I'm uh, Alexander Nikishin. I was the uh, camera. It's for the DP. How long did it take you to shoot the whole entire movie? It was, I think, like, principal photography was like five days, right? And then Andrew went on shot Mexico for a day. <laughs> Uh, great looking film. Um, congratulations on that. I'm curious. It was shot with the Panasonic uh, camera, the HVX. Yeah, it was, it was the HVX at 720, 24B, and uh, the Red Rock. Had you considered uh, trying 1080, or did you do any tests of 1080 versus 720 with the camera? I we didn't do any tests. I was actually on prep for like four days. <laughs> I, was, I was in Vegas for like two months. We didn't have uh, prep beforehand, but okay. it was Andrew's decision to go. Uh, we only had access to four gigabyte P2 cards, uh, which Alex owned, so we were kind of limited in terms of space. So we decided, well, 720PN is pretty much, I guess, the sweet spot. You could do a lot of you know cool things with it. So we decided 720 was what we were going to shoot on. Uh, 1080i, though, from what I hear, is really great. So I haven't tried it though. And and then also, did you shoot um, uh, what what? Uh Gamma settings was it? Was it the Cine V or Cine D or what did you? How did we you have used that Cine D, right? Which I guess stands for dynamic. Um, what was our kind of our thought process going through selecting the gamma curves was uh, we wanted to kind of preserve as much uh, of the curve as possible, and then we knew, we kind of knew already that we were going to blow highlights and crush the shadows, but we thought it might be a good idea to kind of uh, get the flattest curve possible and then you know do it in post. Um, so that's kind of why we selected Cine D. Yeah, it, it's interesting because a lot of times, you know, blown out highlights don't look so hot and they're kind of a video giveaway. Right. But with the M2, when they're softer, they're just, they're so much more nicer looking. Right. I, I totally agree. Yeah. But, uh, and then finally, what were the sharpness settings? Did you, to compensate for any extra softness added by the M2? It was a uh, plus three on uh, detail level and uh, plus one on coring, just for a little bit of uh, anti-aliasing. First, I want to congratulate uh, all of you. Um, I think the film looks great from a DP position. It, it looks beautiful and uh, sound was good, but most of all, I think the editing was really excellent. Everything was right on time. I think, you know, timing-wise, it was great. And uh, I think you got a very well-rounded uh, picture. Um, my one question is, are you going to expand it into a feature? Uh, at the moment, no. Um, I, we think that it, you know, it's just a story that I felt compelled to tell. We, we don't have any plans to make it into a feature at the, at the moment. But um, there's a funny little story that goes along with the, uh, the, the film. Uh, the way it was written actually was linear. And um, we really underestimated the time of, amount of time we needed to shoot the film. Uh, Ken told me straight up, I told him we wanted to shoot five, six pages a day, and he pretty much laughed at me, and I said, no, we can do it. And uh, Ken said, no, we can't. <laughs> and so, so we'll, we'll try for five or six, and we, it turns out with the, the setup time, with the, uh, the big lights and you know, the, the depth of field, we have to make sure the focus is right on, on Mark. Uh, it, we ended up shooting about three pages a day. He was absolutely right. So uh, we weren't able to get a lot of the shots we wanted. Uh, I think we got less than 50% of the shots we designed. Uh, so when we took it into edit, it didn't cut, and so we were kind of forced to cut nonlinear. And I, I think it worked great because I think the pacing was a lot better than if it wasn't linear. But um, it was we were kind of forced to do that. But fortunately, we were able to pull off a, a, a coherent film. <laughs> yeah. 
Great. Let me just, I want to ask a quick question about the character Carlos, since I, I'm worried that everyone's going to talk techno the entire day. Um, you know, we, okay. see, we see Carlos at the start, and he seems to be a, a genuinely you know, innocent person, really uh, looking out for his family, looking for work. I mean, it seems like a very sort of heart-wrenching story. And at the end, it's less clear as to how innocent Carlos really is. So I'm curious if you could just talk a little bit about how you approach that character and whether or not he really is truly innocent in the end. Um, I think he's being used. I think that's the way I, I my he was a victim of of the lawyer character. Um, you know, his main thing was to just feed his family. That's his goal. He wants to work to feed his family, and however that happens, it happens. And I just in the film, it's just it kind of sucks that everybody comes out screwed. Uh, but his main thing is just to really, you know, live and just have those basics that that that. Well, our basics to us, but luxury to Carlos. So as far as, uh, yeah, totally, total, I mean, he was he knew, I knew that there was a, uh, you know, a uh, uh, tinge of uh, not really uh, being t straight with, uh, with Thomas, the character of Thomas, but at the same time, it's still being used. You just want to feed your family. That's all, whatever you need to do to survive. So that's, that was my take. I would just like to know what kind of a uh, lighting package do you guys have access to and um, how big was the crew? Uh, we went with an independent operator. He had a truck. Um, actually, where did the question come from? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so we had a, a package of HMIs, 1200 HMIs, 575s, uh, Kinos, Tungsten Heads. Um, and it was, just a, it was just like one guy who kind of owned this truck and had his crew and I think it was like two and two, two grips, two electrics. And uh, I think it was like 350, 350 amp Jenny that Andrew didn't think we needed. <laughs> By the way, what was the total budget? Uh, it pretty much topped up at $12,000. $12,000. And roughly how much of that, I mean, how, what, was the, what was the big chunks of it? Uh, what was the crew, um, which took the big, uh, portion of the, of the film, but we decided to go with SAG actors, which, I mean, we didn't have to pay them, which was very fortunate for us, uh, but uh, we, we, yeah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> man, uh, wow, but uh, we uh, had to pay for insurance, and we had to pretty much do it the right way, we didn't want to skimp on, on that part of the production, so we had to get insurance, we paid for a few of the locations that we had. Uh, but that's where the bulk of it went. So for the crew, the food, and the locations, we got very fortunate that Alex was able to bring his own equipment. He had, well, a very extensive setup, the Red Rock uh, adapters, all his own lenses, his own P2 cards. We're fortunate. And, uh, and Ami, she's also there. She's the uh, first AC. She came aboard with, uh, with Alex, and she did a great job. So we were very fortunate to save on that, that end. Uh, would you mind coming? If you're part of the crew, you should be up here. Hi, my name is um, Ami Mochizuki, and I'm a, I was a first, second, I mean first camera assistant. So this was doing the focus pulling and a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, first of all, congratulations, guys! It looks great. Um, one of the questions I had for the, I guess the director, maybe the DP, and even the camera person was, uh, how many? Well, first is how many shots did you have set up? You know, I'm thinking about doing one myself, and you know, it was like a short film. All of a sudden, it's like 50 shots already, and uh, they just very quickly grow. So one was was that's my first question. So I I let you guys answer that first, and then I'll continue. 
Uh, the number of shots, uh, I can't be certain. I can't remember too well, but like I said before, like for a, a proper setup, it took us about three pages, uh, three pages a day to mm -hmm. shoot because of the amount of lights and the setup time. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, if you can really work fast, you might be able to shoot four or five. But the thing is with that camera, because it is, uh, you know, the HVX, you guys all know it's a little light hungry and also the M2, you lose a little bit of light. So you have to actually, you know, make sure that you guys have the proper lighting equipment and whenever you have bigger, more extensive lighting, you have to, you know, make sure that it's set up properly. So I would say, I, I can't really give you the number of shots, but, you know, safely, you can do three, three pages a day, four, um, if you really want to push it. But, but, you know, you guys are all, you know, you guys work at your own pace, so I, I can't speak for that. Okay. And um, as far as the shots, <clears throat> did you go into, like, storyboarding the shots, or you, did you just go on, you know, like, you knew exactly what was going to happen prior to? Uh, I, I met with Ken, uh, like you said before, he was in Vegas for two months doing uh, some work for Full, tip, po full Tilt Poker. Uh, I don't know for you poker fans out there, but um, we, we got together about four days before I started shooting, and I kind of gave him a detailed um, shot list that I kind of thought, and we kind of collaborated there. So we didn't have time to storyboard, but uh, granted, we didn't even have time to visit the locations, but um, when we got there, we pretty much tried to work around the storyboard, or the shot list that we had created, and uh, work from there. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is for Alex. Um, as far as focusing, how did you do your focusing? I, you know, I own the M2 also, and um, I still haven't decided as far as um, what I'm, my solution is going to be for uh, being able to pull focus. Is it going to be the Marshall? Is it going which is another monitor that uh, shows up uh, a lot better than the monitor that comes with the camera for those that don't know, and um, or DV rack, you know, which is there's like a delay in that so just want curious uh in the end i think uh it's best to have everything you can possibly have i mean if you can i know this is not standard on a big production set you know uh to use the actual production monitor but the bigger the monitor the better i mean at times if if you noticed it was soft at times uh if you can get that big monitor you'll have the focus the best as possible um in the end, I mean, you always want an AC. Um, there were times where Ami couldn't uh, assist me, and uh, you might have seen it soft at times. I mean, I had to rack focus on my own, so um, I was using the Marshall. And uh, if you can flip the LCD, that'll help you too, just to uh, frame up um, and have your AC with the Marshall, because at times we had to actually share a monitor. So um, really, it just comes to the budget. I mean, if you have enough money, you can um, get enough views in there for uh, the AC and the op as well. And uh, in the end, uh, I'd say just, yeah, an AC, a good uh, follow focus. The Red Rock, it, it, it worked when we needed it to. And, uh, yeah, that's, the, that's how I would do it. Okay. Actually, actually one more thing, Brian. Oh. I would yes. also strongly recommend getting cinema lenses if you can because we use, like, Nikon steel lenses. But if you can afford to get, like, a PL mount, get, a, get like, 35mm lenses. Um, the focus ring is really it's a lot better. You'll get marks a lot easier. Yeah, I should say that. Um, the thing about the Nikons, though, is that if you want to actually uh, have proper focus, for proper feet and meter marks, you have to actually, you know, do it yourself because it's not completely accurate as you would have with, uh, you know, a cinema lens, for instance, because of the uh, crop factor. So, um, in the end, you'd want to probably mark the barrels, you know, free mark the barrels uh, by, I don't know, you can use a Ron Dexter chart or something like that or however you want to do that. And... Uh, um, the thing is, you also want to try not to shoot wide open. If you if you have a Nikon 50 millimeter f1.2, try to try to get enough light in there to shut it down. Because uh, if you're wide open, there's going to be a little bit of softness due to the lens, not the M2 itself, just the lens. So 
but then again, I mean, sometimes the softness, you know, works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but in the end, it's always good to have options. If you need to open up, you can. I have a couple of questions, guys. First of all, it looks spectacular. I thought you guys did a great job, and it was very entertaining and enjoyable, and certainly apropos for what's going on in America t these days. But what kind of advice would you give for a first-time film director? Best overall piece of advice, and what was your biggest challenge? That's my first question. Then I have a second question. Um, the best advice that I, I heard was from someone I never met. Um, it was Robert Rodriguez. I watched all of his behind the scenes. And he, the best advice that he gave was, you know, as a uh, starting filmmaker, if you don't have the luxury of going to film school, it's just to make your own films. It's kind of like what you're already doing, it sounds like. You know, just make your films, learn how to, how to you know, direct, learn how to frame. You know, just learning. And uh, one of the, another inspirational thing that his friend Quentin Tarantino said was, uh, that really inspired me, was uh, when asked if he went to film school, he said, no, I went to films. Mm -hmm. And it just, it just makes so much sense. You know, you could learn a lot by just watching the great films. Um, seeing how they, you know, play the scene, how they, you know, frame it, how they, uh, you know, have the actors do certain things. So I think, uh, you know, just watch as many films as you can and, and see if you can identify with a certain director and see kind of if you can delve in to see how, you know, into his mind and see how he works. A particular style, go for a, a type of style? Uh, so, uh, go for a type of style? So if uh, yeah, uh, yeah if, if, you know, whatever style that you feel like you have inside. Okay. Um, but the biggest part problem with that is that you, you don't want to make sure that you copy someone's style and you have your own distinct style. So that's the biggest kind of danger in that. But, you know, in terms of learning the basics, like watching a film could teach you so much. Okay, thank you. And secondly, for investor purposes, were you able to get any kind of funding or how did you go about that if you did? Yeah, that's, yeah wow, that's a good question. Um, we pretty much went to every sort of like organization out there and they all pretty much said no. Um, yeah, tough luck. Or, you know, they, they were interested in the project, but they're like, yeah, there's nothing that we can do for you financially. So pretty much I had to go to my friend's uh, credit card, you know, that, you know, the route that everyone doesn't like to go down, but that was the only way that we can get the money together to shoot it. So um, I'm still paying it off. <laughs> um, great achievement. By the way, it's it looks stunning. Absolutely, like everyone else has been, you know, reflecting on. Uh, you mentioned that the original storyline was linear, and that you cut this in post, so it cut down to a twenty-minute film in post. What was the original runtime? Uh, we the the script was about twenty pages, and um, after we shooting it, it, it wasn't quite a minute per page, and it was like a little longer, maybe like twenty-four, twenty-five minutes, but it dragged like crazy. And also, we didn't have the the proper shots, the angles that we had to forego because of time. It didn't cut together, so. Um, in the end, I think it worked out better. It, it, we were able to get the runtime down as much as possible, and also uh, the pacing was a little bit more enjoyable than the first original linear cut. Um, so we were very fortunate in that regard. Uh, again, congratulations, guys. It was very engaging. Um, my question actually had to do with, with the story. I wanted to know more about uh, whose story it was and... and um, where did you where did you encounter it, and uh, what was your whole experience bringing it bringing it to the screen? Uh, the story that uh, that the movie's based on um, is actually uh, happened to a family that's very close to me, and so it was a very it was personal to me, and I really wanted to go and tell the story. And it's a little different take than what everyone's kind of used to, and so um, everything up to the part where he actually starts, um, you know, going physically hurting this guy is all true. He hired a private detective to find out where this guy lived. And he, I think he ended up reporting him to the uh, Homeland Security, but um, but there was a, a lawyer behind the scheme, and uh, but the but the problem is it's illegal. 
it's not um, the illegals do have a right to sue in court, and so there's nothing we can do on that side. But uh, just kind of tell just tell the story. Hopefully, people will see it and say, you know what, something is not quite right with the system. Maybe we need to amend that. You know, so it was a very personal story, and um, yeah, well, you know, while we were shooting this, you know, when it got tired and we all got you know beat, just my passion for that story really kind of helped me, through, you know, to the end of the day. So. I uh, I found your film very moving, Andrew. But uh, so sorry, I have some more geek speak tech questions for the DP. I'm curious. I'm curious in general. Uh, what is your working relationship with your crew? Because um, I was wondering, like, obviously you had uh, the equipment from your operator, but who you know? Did you have like a resident expert um, on the M2 and stuff? Because you have all those technical things. Uh, you know, like, did you kind of learn on the fly, or did you do any test shoots, for instance? Alex is the resident. Uh, expert, I would say he's he's the um, he's the owner operator of it. Um, I wasn't able to do any tests. It was my first time uh, using M2. I was on a f on a short film uh, a few months ago. That I was going to use a PS Technic, uh, but that kind of fell through. So uh, I didn't have any prior experience on it. So Alex is the one who kind of guided uh, guided me through it technically, um, and uh, yes, I wasn't, wasn't able to do any kind of tests or what or whatnot. Anything about it to ask? The adapter itself, do you have any questions about? Well, no, I'm wondering, but I'm guessing at the time when you shot it, you know, it's still relatively new? Uh, or I was pretty familiar with it, yeah. Um, I was still experimenting with which way to uh, mount it um, based on Brian's uh, advice. And uh, first, I was doing the hard mounting, which it really depends on the ring you get. Like if you get a polarizing filter that the threads are slightly off, you might be off to the left a little bit or to the right. So in the end, I pretty much from that shoot went off and uh, took the hard mounting off and put it flush to the camera. And uh, that's the way I do it from now on. And I mount the, uh, I shim the rods in themselves. And during that time, I actually had it r mounted where the uh, M2 was shimmed. So I think that may have been uh, it's a, obviously, Brian says that's not the right way to do it, so I, I think in times you can see that it goes a little soft, and that might have been the problem with uh, the mounting method that I use. Yeah, I'd like to say thank you for giving us the opportunity to view your film. I really enjoyed it. And I have a question more with uh, developed an art, and I noticed a particular frame in which the detective delivered the photos of um, Carlos's character. They, you guys framed the uh, telephone poles to look like a cross. Was that done on purpose? It's so funny. Uh, <laughs> we actually talked about that, me and Ken did, uh, on that day. We, we were kind of st stuck because that telephone pole was right in the, in the shot. And uh, I think Akira uh, Kurosawa was asked a question one time. said, hey, why did you f frame it a certain way? And he said, well, if you move the camera a little to the left, you see the water tower. If you move a little to the right, you see the freeway. So we framed it you know, that way. But uh, fortunately, you know, we were kind of stuck with that shot. But you know, and we were thinking, like, wow, that does look like a cross. So why don't we just go with it? So it was um, as much as I would like to take the credit for setting up that telephone pole and getting the cross kind of uh, imagery there, it was by chance. The movie looked great. And uh, I was just wondering if this is your first film. Uh, this is actually my first film with the crew and an actual budget. We, I've done, like I said before, like I was talking earlier, I've made about 20 short films just by myself, um, Robert Rodriguez style, just kind of learning the craft. And then I was very fortunate to meet Ken um, on a previous short film. It was just me and him and the sound guy. 
And that was bad. <laughs> he was doing everything. I felt so bad for him, but we developed a relationship and we decided, okay, let's do one properly. And, and he gave me some great advice. He said, you know what? If you don't start you know, making films like the big boys do, you'll never learn. And that was like the best advice I got from, from Ken. And so we decided, hey, let's pony up and let's, let's do the real deal. So although we didn't have a full-on crew, we did have like a pretty good number of, of staff on the, on the crew. It was about 10 people, I think, uh, the core crew. For those of you, uh, both uh, the crew and the cast, who have had experience in higher budget productions, and I think particularly about film, but it could be high-end, you know, high-def stuff, how do you feel about when you actually see the results on a screen? I mean, here we have you know, a pretty good-sized screen. Uh, how do you feel about the production values compared with some of the other things that maybe you've been involved with that had a lot more money involved? I mean, is it really that dramatic of a difference? Uh, I'll just say something really brief, and then I'll pass it over to Ken and uh, maybe Alex, because I know that he, they've a lot of experience. But um, we had a chance to screen this over at Warner Brothers, and, and they had a 4,000 or 4K projector in this huge 230-seat auditorium, and we had it uh, uh, uprest to HD cam. We shot it there, and it was just amazing. The clarity and the quality was was great. It held up to uh, a lot. All the people in the audience thought it was 35 until I told them that it was high def with the the M2 35 adapter, and they were blown away. So in terms of look, I think we're, we're pretty much there. Uh, of course, the dynamic range is not quite there yet, but um, it's very close. And so uh, for people that are looking for that 35 look, uh, you know, definitely look no further than the M2 because it really does a job, as you can, we can see. <coughs> Sorry. Um, I think I, I've done a range of, of films from, ranging from like 6,000 to like 130,000. I realized that it's really not about the budget or the crew or the size of, of whatnot. It's really it comes down to the story, really. Um, the short film I did was that was 130,000 was almost a union kind of style film, and the one that was 6,000 was like a black and white uh, 16 mil film, and it was just like it was one of those things. Was, it was like me, the director, and the um, couple of actors. And it's actually that one that I'm most proud of, like personally, for my work because I, I really like the story and what we did with. Um, the little money we had really really came out. So ultimately, it comes down to um, how good is your story and how passionate you are about it. Just on a Red Rock perspective, um, I mean, my package includes the Red Rock at all times that I possibly can. I I would not want to work without it. Honestly, it's just when I work without it, it it lacks something. It just it just the look of it, obviously, it just looks, you know, the depth of field is not there. It's a little bit overly sharp, in my opinion. Um, but with the M2, you really get the feeling that you're working with 35. I mean, it looks at times just, just like 35. If, you, if you've lit it right, you've got the right frame, so on and so forth. Um, it just gives you so much more production value. It looks as though it's coming from, you know, a larger film. And coming from a director, a photography standpoint, a camera op, I obviously wouldn't want to work without it and every chance that I do get, every job that allows me to uh, include that in the package, I use it, honestly, so I really like it. <laughs> Great, thanks guys. Um, just to be clear, I did not talk to Alex beforehand about that. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but uh, let me suck up to you later for that one, I appreciate that. Honestly, I'm, I'm being honest. I know it sounded <laughs> like a suck up, but really, I mean, every time I get the chance to use it. Okay, so you're gonna freak out at the next part of this, uh, this uh, presentation. 
uh, just let me just say one more thing. Um, before we actually went into production on this film, we did I did extensive research on 35 adapters because um, there was I guess at the time that we were getting ready to shoot this, there were a whole bunch of them out there. There was a PNS technique, there was like the brev, there's a whole bunch of other options, and then I. I saw this article, um, I forgot where it was written, but uh, Taylor Wigton, I believe, the, from the, the DP from 24, did a shootout, and uh, he said, hands down, the M2 was a winner, winner, and this was comparing the M2 versus like you know $10,000 rigs from PNS Technic, and so I was like, okay, well, I better, I better check this out, and so I, I got my hands on one, and I did the hands-on test, and I said, you said, you know what, this is so light, so small and compact, it, it just might work, so... Um, we were able to do some testing. So, you know, I would, I would say uh, to you guys, if you guys are looking to get a 35 adapter, um, go out and test it. And I'm pretty sure that you guys will say that the M2 is what you guys want to shoot with because of the price, not only that, but uh, the, the flexibility that you have because it's smaller and lighter as opposed to like the movie tube or the PNS Technic. So, and, 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 and this is not coming from Brian, I, I swear <laughs> on my life. It's, it's something that I experienced uh, when I was trying to look for a 35 adapter. Good film. Let me just make it real fast. Um, I've never used any of the DV cameras. The first camera I ever owned was the HVX. I've never tried the HDV or any other cameras. What made you choose that camera over all the other ones? Uh, actually, at the time, I actually bought the HVX, and I was just starting to work with it. Um, and I think as a film camera, it's like you can't really beat it because of all the options that you give, or that the camera gives you. Um, we were looking to shoot like HDV as well, but we weren't too confident in terms of the, uh, how the codec would hold up. And since I already owned the HVX, you know, I said, let's, let's just go with it. And, um, Although uh, we had the option of shooting like uh, over cranking, under cranking the film, like creatively when me and Ken discussed it, we saw that, you know, for some of the slow-mo shots in the film, you'll notice that it wasn't uh, over cranked. We thought that, you know what, for this type of film, this gritty type of film, maybe it's not a good idea to have it so buttery smooth, like a 60 frames per second slow down to 24. So we said, you know what, let's just shoot 24 and just slow it down. But that camera offered a lot of options. And so we said, you know, this is probably the camera that is ideal for, um, you know, this kind of movie. And uh, it, it was a little bit more noisy compared to the other cameras in terms of grain. But I think uh, if you mate that with the, uh, the M2, with the, uh, the ground glass, it really gives it that kind of film-ish grain-y action going. And we thought it looked great. So. Okay, uh, folks from Illegal, thank you so much for your time and uh, efforts in a phenomenal, really a truly phenomenal short film. Thank you. Right, thank you, everybody, for coming out. Appreciate it.